Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hello Cleveland Browns fans, welcome in to the OBR Film Breakdown. We are here to talk about your Cleveland Browns and their performance in the 16-14 loss to the Oakland Raiders. So we start by looking at the basic statistics from the game. They went for 236 yards on um, 54 plays in the game, 4.4 yards per play average. Not very good. A 6 of 14 third down number, which is better than where they've been, but only 13 first downs. They ran for 89 yards, only threw for 147, did have a low volume of penalties, 3 for 61, but punted 7 times and had 26 minutes to the Raiders' 33 minutes of possession. Nick Chubb had 23 carries for 91 yards and a touchdown. Dearness Johnson had one carry. For negative two yards, Nick Mullins had 20 for 30, 147 in the touchdown. And Donovan Peoples-Jones led the receivers with four catches for 48 yards on eight targets. David Njoku had three for 29. Richard Higgins had three for 24. Dearness Johnson had four for 17. Uh, Demetric Felton had three for 16. Harrison Bryant, two for 11. And Nick Chubb had one for two. So those are your metrics for baseline stats. A very depressing 236 total yards. From a on-field personnel grouping standpoint, this game was totally unique because they categorize Demetric Felton as a wide, no, a running back, according to all of these, which, you know, I get it, moves around a little bit. But they had 34 snaps in this game of 21 personnel because Felton's not deemed a running or a wide receiver. So you get uh, a high volume, like I said, as I'm clicking through here, if we look at two backs, one tight end, you get 34 snaps of that. And then um, the other personnel group leading was 12 personnel. So one back with the two tight ends, Bryant and Joko on the field for 20. That's your 54. They ran a couple due to penalties. They did have a couple that they ran out of 22 with Janovich in as the fullback and the two tight ends down near the down near the end zone. So that means your snap count numbers were a little different. Obviously, 56 for the quarterback and the 5-0 lineman. And also, Najoku was on the field for every single snap the Browns had as well. Donovan Peoples-Jones had 52 snaps. Rashard Higgins had 44. And... Nick Chubb at 37. Demetric Felton saw a major uptick with 29 as your third receiver. Harrison Bryant had 22. Dearness Johnson had 18 in the backfield. Anthony Schwartz had 13, so he was your spill relief wide receiver whenever Higgins or Peoples-Jones needed off the field. They did not have all three of those guys on the field at the same time. Janovich was on the field for eight snaps. Miller Forrestal, the third tight end, found the field for one snap. So leading grades producers. Actually, let's just go through kind of uh, metric by metric by position. So Nick Nick uh, Nick Mullins was, again, in my opinion, was fine. I thought he had a relatively good game for a third quarterback. And I know Nick Mullins could be a second-string quarterback in some places. And I even expect Nick Mullins to be the second-string quarterback in Cleveland next year because of the cost-controlled stuff. And I just think he proved to be worthy of that. You know, Not that the Raiders' defense is fantastic, but you could see the comfort in operating this system. He had a 70 pass grade, which would have been – 
right by Baker Mayfield standards on the year, one of his better games. Uh, when he was kept clean on the night, he was 16 of 22, 104 yards. He did not have a big time, uh, big time throw or a turnover worthy play when kept clean. Under pressure, he had that one big time throw. He was four of eight, and that big time throw was the fourth quarter crosser on a long third and 11 situation where he hit the deep over to Peoples Jones with pressure in his face. A great throw, 43 yards, uh, four of eight. Like I said, one touch, one touchdown. So he got. Under pressure, he got the scramble drill touchdown where he threw it to Harrison Bryant to give the Browns that 14-13 lead. And when he was not blitzed, he was 17 of 25, 126. And when blitzed, was 3 of 5 for 21 yards. So, again, I thought he was pretty good, all things considered. Made some nice throws, missed some throws. He missed a double move to Najoku on that nod post. I thought he could have had a really big play on that one. Um, Was a little high on a couple others. I thought he could have been better ball place wise. But as far as like what you're asking for your third quarterback in a practice situation emergency to do, not sure you could really get much better than that. So kudos to Nick Mullins and play action. He was three of six. So they only ran six play action on the day, a 70.5 pass grade for 25 yards, non-play action, 17 of 24, buck 22 in that touchdown. And on screen game, it was four of four for 26 yards and no screen 16 of 26, 121 in. Again, uh, a touchdown. Um, so downfield passing did not complete a downfield throw, but not by his. Uh, but again, not in my opinion by his issue that that PBU on the, the double move from Peoples Jones in the second drive of the game was a pass breakup. Um, but it should have been caught. Should have been hauled in. So he had a seventy-two point one pass grade on deep throws, medium throws. He was two of six for thirty-six. So that's where his lowest metric was at 50.8 short throws. He was 14 of 15 for 78.8 pass grade. That touchdown, 85 yards on throws, short, 0 to 9 yards, and then was 4-4 in the screen game. So I liked it. I thought Nick Mullins played winning football, which, again, sometimes the Browns haven't had that in certain circumstances this year. And I think I consider this the second quality quarterback relief performance the Browns have had this year. Good enough to win football games. They won the Broncos game, should have won this game in my opinion. Um, yeah. So we're going to switch to the run game and this is where it gets weird. They're just not clicking collectively. Um, actually, before we get to the run game, let's finish out the receiving grades. So in the receiving department, the highest receiving grade was Harrison Bryan, who had two catches, obviously that touchdown, also a third and two catch where he caught a little stick route with pressure coming from behind on a, on a breaking DB, to pick up a first down, so a nice night for him in his first game back. Dearness Johnson had the second highest at 69.1, so uh, a nice performance out of the backfield. And Joko had a 67.1, catching three of five targets again, 29 yards. And he had, let me see here, I don't know if he had a contested catch situation. He, did not. he caught three first downs, though, and he forced one missed tackle. You like to see that up and down, rough start for Donovan Peoples-Jones, but I really thought he rebounded and finished the game strong. He again caught four catches, 48 yards. He lined up outside 25 snaps, which is expected. He was only two of five in contested catch. That has to be better, but he did catch two first downs, including two huge first downs late in the game. Rashard Higgins had a 70, sorry, a 58.7 metric. He had 24 yards on three catches. He caught one catch in the contested catch department. He had six yards after catch. Who's fine? Twenty snaps again. Not not nothing crazy. A nine point three average distance of target. Um, 
just you know an easy a decent game from Higgins. Nick Chubb had uh, one catch for two yards, a sixty sorry a fifty five receiving grade, and then Felton had a fifty three point six, where he had seventeen slot snaps. So it was Njoku and Felton with thirteen from Njoku, seventeen from Felton when they were asked to play in the slot. The only drop came from Felton uh, on a ball that hit his hands on a, on a little flat route to the left side. So that's your receiving grades again. It's such an underwhelming group right now. I mean, I think Peoples-Jones has potential to be a second receiver, an X-type receiver down the line. I think he's, you know, he's getting valuable reps right now. Uh, I think he's getting there. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't really know long-term what the fit is, but I think he's got a role here somewhere. If you have a pretty good slot and a pretty good Z, which we hope to see the Browns improve. But otherwise, just a sort of disappointing pass-catching group. I mean, Njoku should I continue to say he's fine, but it's a it's just a guy you've always wanted to be better, and it's just um, I'm not sure it ever will be better in terms of a, like true breakout stuff from David Njoku. Now, I don't know who you want to blame that on, but it's just never quite materialized the way we all hoped it would materialize for David. doesn't mean you can't resign him and keep playing him. He's got value, obviously, but he's just a fine tight end. I think that's okay to admit. So now you shift to the running game, and you'll look at... Well, before Again, cut off short before we get to the running game. want to thank our sponsors on this podcast, TickPick.com. Make sure you're using them for any of your ticket needs, any of the finishing game. When the Bengals come to Cleveland, you want to go to that one for the last Browns home game of the year. Make sure to use TickPick.com slash breakdown to get $10 off your first purchase. So go to TickPick.com slash breakdown. The Cavs are surging. Maybe you want to go watch them. Or wherever you're at, you want to catch a game. You're in Columbus, you want to catch the Blue Jackets. Um, TickPick.com slash breakdown will get you $10 off that first order. Super easy interface. Going to tell you what's a good deal, what's a bad deal. If you find a ticket that's better for an identical seat, they'll match it up to 110% uh, to make sure you get the best value on the market. You see the price when you check out. Uh, It'll be the same price you saw when you selected the ticket. No hidden fees. The original no fee site. Thanks to TickPick.com. And make sure you go there slash breakdown. No promo code. Just go TickPick.com slash breakdown to get that 10 bucks off. So the run game is sort of broken. Now, you can give this many reasons why it is broken. I mean, you're shuffling in tackles all the time. It's been a hodgepodge of guys starting, guys on COVID, guys with you know nagging injuries. Conklin's in and out of the lineup. Jed Will's in and out of the lineup. The center-left guard combo have been consistent, and that has helped. Wyatt Teller's been pretty consistent, too, but there has been, you know, it takes all five. It takes a collective group of really good, cohesive run blocking, including the tight ends, to make it work. And even when things go really well in the league, you have to have a a a, a running back who can make people miss. And right now, I'm not saying Nick is playing poorly, I'm just not sure he's had his best stretch of football. That's all I'm going to say. He had, again, a 67.9 run grade. If you look at him uh, collectively, sorry, I had a little background noise there. Um, If you look at him collectively through the season, he's actually putting up his worst run grade by far, a significant amount. And that's not to say he's not going to be good, fine on this contract extension, but If you go check out Pro Football Focus, which I tend to agree with this, I just don't think he's making as many people miss and turning in long runs off of some. And I just don't think he's seeing things the way I'm like, ooh, next level vision stuff. Now, this could be tied, guys, 
to the fact that the Browns run a ton more gap this year than they do zone. They're down like 11% uh, in zone concepts this year to last, and I think Nick is the more gifted zone runner. Like, for example, last year Nick had 115 gap runs. Sorry, 99 gap runs last year, 116 zone. This year he's had 115 gap runs already and only 73 zone runs. His collective grades, he's been 86 or above his first three years in the in the collective grade. 86.4 his rookie year in 2018, 2019, and 88.7 in 2020 and 88.3. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. run grade in those time again 18 to 20 here working vertically 89.7 90.3 86.8 his 2021 numbers is a 78.3 on offense and a 77.5 run it does to me match up with some of what i've seen i just don't think he's making people miss like he normally does and not that he's not having a nice year he's already I mean, he's gonna he's got 770 yards after contact he has 51 Missed tackles forced. He had 66 in 2020. In 2019, he also had 66. He has, he's got 33 10-plus yard runs, 39 each of the last two years, 10-plus yard runs. I think he's he's doing fine. He's on track. If he has a couple nice games to close out the year, he'll probably get to the same numbers, especially considering there's an extra game. I just think that the grade to me meshes with sometimes I'm seeing him miss holes. And when you're really trying to find that collective run blocking success, if your running back then misses a hole or a cut, it does yield poor results. And when we talk about this all year where there's a cut missed here, a block on the backside missed here, something on the front side, a double team doesn't get to the right person, then you start to say, we can't run the ball, and that's where run game efficiency gets hurt. The margin for error, as we know, is pretty slim currently because of the injuries, because of that COVID situation, and I didn't think Nick played all too well in this game. So he had a 67.9 grade. He had 78 yards after contact, though, five force, missed tackles forced. He had two 10-plus yard runs. It was a little better gap and zone split in this one, 12 zone, 11 gap. Last week it was like 21 to 3. It was wild. I've never seen them have that big a gap before, probably tied into playing the Ravens. But nonetheless, that's where the, I mean, I think that's where some of the issue is. I think Nick getting an extra game, he missed a lot of games last year. Um, 
He would have, I think he missed four games. He would have obviously had much better to the, of the total metric stuff would have been better for him, but um, we'll see what it looks like at the end of the year compared to how many touches he's had before, but he's fine. I'm not trying to cause panic. I just don't think he's doing some of the crazy. I can't believe he did that type of Nick stuff, Nick Chubb stuff we've seen. So if you look at the run direction and this is where that final play, you know, that third down and three irks me. It's it's they had so much success running the football left. They had from outside left four carries twenty yards, left off left tackle three carries twelve yards, off left guard three carries thirty one yards, off middle left six carries eighteen yards. Now we go to the right side middle right three carries thirteen yards. Fine, they had one nice run there over ten yards, and then they had a right guard run, three carries for four yards, and then there were one carry for negative seven off right tackle where Jonathan Abrams blew him up. They had no faith in the right side throughout the game, and they had no success really running right. Their consistent run game success was left side. They had picked up seven yards off the left side, and they decided to run left, or sorry, run right, into a tilted front with numbers. If you look at the article I wrote today, the numbers were bad. It was frustrating. I was, if we watch the watch along party that we had, you know, uh, on the OBR Twitch, I was calling for some play action. I would have been fine with play action, but I also understand wanting to keep the football in your best player's hands. And um, that, that part of it's tough, though, if you don't feel like they ran it to the right, to the correct side. I thought that a run left based on numbers at the line of scrimmage made more sense, and it didn't help. And again, I urge you to go watch. Some of the videos I posted on the play in the article, they did not get a good cutoff from Dunn on the backside backer, the will, and they did not get a frontside turn uh, the way they needed to. But that was an impossible ask of Teller to get that frontside turn with the shade, a tilted shade. So, you know, AVP kind of struggled. I thought he would. I, you're, you're walking the fine line between a, a quarterback in a tough situation, a lot of moving parts, an already beaten up and and really average offense. The Browns have been at below average. Again, if you go back and check the stats on how many points this offense has put up, it's a struggle to get to 17. It was a struggle to get to 14, but they should have gotten to 17 if they had gotten that kick before half. 17 would have won it. I said it in the pregame show. 17-16 felt right to me. Thought the Raiders would get a couple field goals, get to the point it was 13, or maybe even get a third field goal, 16. The Browns would kick a field goal to win it. I just was on the wrong side of it. The Raiders kicked a field goal to win at 16-14. But if the Browns had made their field goal before half, 17-16 was the number I thought it would get. And again, you got to adjust your expectations for this group. They are not good offensively. They are, they're pretty bad. The metrics are going to play it out at the end of the year. But from like week six on, guys, it's been bad. You had one outlier game with the Bengals. Lord knows we hope to see that at the end of the year, but this is not a very good offense. And it's been due to injuries, due to some scheme regression stuff. It's been due to to poor performances from important players and injuries to important players. You know, take guys taking steps back, and that's what you have. So you really have to try to scrape games together and try to win those really tight contests, and that's what happened. I mean, they were in a tight one. The Raiders missed a field goal. They win. Right? They make their field goal before half. They win. That's the frustrating stuff. That's what this offense is. That's what it's going to be the rest of the year. They have an opportunity to, uh, you know, A, get healthy by the end of the year, you know, the beginning of 2022, 
and and B improve important positions like wide receiver where they have to have an influx of talent, whether through the draft and free agency, whatever that method is, there's real potential here. There really is. They have two linemen and Blake Hans and James Hudson and Michael Dunn, three of them that have future potential with this group. Nick Harris, this is the center who's not really found time because Treader's like the Mr. Ironman of all Ironmen, will eventually get his chance. They have a good young group. I mean, the group played pretty well pass blocking wise. I mean, Joel Batonio to be able to slide out to left tackle and give up one hit and a single pressure the entire game, only six pressures in the entire game. Four guys above 72, grading really well. Michael Dunn, a 72 5, 77 4 from JC Treader. Betonio 72-9, and Wyatt Teller in the pass-blocking phase in 81.8. Blake Hance, again, he's a guard. He's playing out of position, doing his best against Max Crosby, who's leading the NFL in pressures, only gives up three on the day. True pass sets, he gave up those three. You'd expect that. He's dealing with an immensely talented player, and he's playing out of position. Wyatt Teller also gave up one pressure in those true pass set scenarios, too. Really good pass-blocking. Harrison Bryant was the one who struggled with the 46 grade. He gave up, didn't give up any pressures, but uh, allowed some guys to get past him. That doesn't mean you get past because the ball could be out. It doesn't yield pressure, but that's just the the metric they have there. Five Dearness Johnson uh, pass blocking snaps, and those were uh, where pressure was allowed, so he graded pretty poorly. But again, I think the offensive line handled themselves really well. The run phase, pretty disappointed. And some of the backside blocking stuff didn't get off double teams well. In zone blocking, Joel Batonio continues to be phenomenal. 13 snaps there, 95.3. Cannot say enough about Joel Batonio to just slide out to left tackle and be as good as he was for a game. J.C. Treader is the second. Uh, sorry, let's go down the line of the zone blocking was pretty good. J.C. Treader, 77.4. Blake Hansen, 82.8. That's where he excels zone blocking from the tackle position because he's pretty athletic. David Njoku had a 72.7. Michael Dunn had a 66.3. And then what was frustrating is those 13 zone snaps, just something was off with Wyatt Teller. Got called for a holding and just didn't do a great job of sealing the way he traditionally does. A 33.7. There's some stuff floating about Teller pre-contract, post-contract. Let's let that stuff play out. Same for Nick Chubb. It's a weird year here, man. Let's let these guys have another year or two. I mean, they're going to be here anyway. They're, who knows? Let's not doomsday that whole deal. Uh, Wyatt Teller much better in the gap phase, which is, I think, where he's pretty good. A 68.9, 71, 70.1 for Betonio, 73.7 for Treader, 74.8 for Dunn. And then Hans had a 51.4 in that zone, or sorry, gap blocking phase. So, again, it's not a very good offense. They're dealing with a lot to overcome. The play calling, there's no hero out there. I know some of you wanted Alex Van Pelt to be the savior. There's no hero out there fixing some of the offensive issues right now. They'll get some guys back, probably get Jarvis back, probably get Baker back. They'll have a chance to put some points on the board in Green Bay. But if you're expecting them to go out and throw up 28 points, get in the end zone four times with this offense, that's a you issue. They're not doing that unless an outlier happens. The data is telling you everything you need to know about how skilled this group is. They have a lot to fix. Again, another noise in the background because I'm recording so long. It's overlapping some of those. Sorry. It's you know, low-grade, low uh, semi-professional podcast here, folks. But anyway, that's all I have to say about the offense. It's a lot of the same story. Margin for error is tiny. Guys have to play well collectively, and, and and especially the guys up front. 
You cannot miss blocks. You cannot miss cuts. You cannot miss throws because you don't have enough skill to just make spontaneous, huge, big plays. Now, Nick can bust one every now and again, might hit a play action, deep shot downfield every now and again, but the consistent playmaking aspect, even when everybody's healthy, is not there. Okay? So, again, we'll see who comes back this week. We'll see what it looks like, but if you're, the rest of the year is going to be a grind on offense. It really is. It's going to be a grind. They have got to find a way in some of these games to play from out in front. That's the only formula for them. And even with the run game inefficiency stuff that they're having, which I, I believe since week 10, they have the second lowest um, EPA on run game stuff. The, the Cody Sweck tweeted that out today, the OBR. It's, it's, it's been bad in the run game. And, and, and I'm telling you, there's not just one fix. It's a lot of different things. And it's a lot of different people on different plays. And it's not what you want to hear because everybody wants it to be one fix. Hey, you fix the right tackle, you got it solved. You fix the left tackle, you got it solved. Fix the running back, you got it It's not, man. They're not playing altogether football to make those huge plays happen. And, you know, I. but again, I thought they did enough to win. The third down play was tough. I still would have considered going forward on fourth because I really didn't want to put my defense back out there in that situation. I know the defense was playing well. I get it, but man, I would I would just I would rather die on the aggression hill. That's just where the NFL is, should be going. That's where I want my team to believe that I believe in them, and I, I I just lean that way these days. Might not be something you agree with, but that's where I'm at with it. I just I would rather control my own destiny in that scenario. So again, just me. Uh, pretty unfortunate how it all worked out gut-wrenching you would rather see a kicker miss the final kick it would be nice for that to work out in cleveland's favor one day haven't seen enough of that talk about that swirling wind in first energy stadium could have used a little more of it anyway uh appreciate you guys hanging out for this pod there's a chalk talk replay if you want to watch that chalk talk feel free to check it out it's up on the obr twitch we'll have uh the obr weekly coming up uh tomorrow night wednesday night check that out and uh some more articles to come as well throughout the week trying to look at what happened to some of these situations and uh you know try to make sense of it they're seven and seven they're an average football team below average offense a defense that's gone in the right direction but as for now try to grind you never know the nfl is weird it's an upside down nfl year maybe the browns go win this game in green bay because nothing makes sense in the nfl it's not over yet you're frustrated i'm frustrated without went it's not over yet we'll see what the offense can muster up in lambeau i appreciate you guys joining today's pod just me i'll try to have some guests later in the week appreciate it once again have a great have a great wednesday and go browns